As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Are you ready to make your car better? I said, are you ready to make your car better? Today's bracket racing scene is more competitive and more precise than it's ever been. You've got to light up the scoreboard dead on with great regularity to win. But today's cars have so many moving parts. Suspension, tires, torque converters, carburetors, fuel curve, data acquisition. It can be overwhelming. Thankfully, your friends at This Is Bracket Racing are on it. We have combined 10 of our most useful, most impactful lessons into one incredible tech master course. 10 individual lessons, more than 90 minutes of instruction, normally a $110 value, yours today for the master course price of just $49. Learn more, check it out, thisisbracketracing.com slash deadon. All one word, this is bracketracing.com slash D-E-A-D-O-N, dead on. As we get closer to racing this season, you'll need to start thinking about which of your parts could use a little tune-up or perhaps a replacement. Keep BTE in mind. That's Bill Taylor Enterprises. For all your high-performance transmission needs, torque converters, parts, complete transmissions, BTE does it all. Check them out at BTE Racing or find them on Facebook. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. 
Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss the loose caboose and Johnny Juzang. Big Chet, how are you? Uh, Luke, I'm doing well. I'm uh, looking forward to this show, man. we got a lot of great stuff to talk about and a lot of great people to talk to or a great person to talk to. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm reeling a little bit. We're, we're going to hear about it later on in our in our final four discussion. But uh, reeling a little bit from my tide coming up short. So uh, I had a lot of big talk in the last episode. Mm-hmm. I was I was really having my chest poked out and saying bad things about some teams and good things about mine and the exact opposite of what I predicted happened on both fronts. So mm-hmm. struggling a little bit, but I'm still looking forward to this show. <laughs> we will close the show with the NCAA tournament slash best race car name in history bracket. We are down to the final four. There's been some upsets getting good so stay tuned for that um obviously this week's show is going to be spring fling million heavy we are just a few days removed from the conclusion of the vegas million uh we crowned a new champion uh i I guess it's fair to say jet an unlikely champion a familiar name but an unlikely champion bo butner uh so we talk through all the ups, downs, ins, outs. We dissect the million from every vantage point you could. And then we follow that up by having the man himself on the show. We will sit down with Bo Butner uh, a little bit later on in the show. We've also got some big news uh, on the big dollar bracket racing front from the Great American Guaranteed Million. Uh, an upheaval uh, of that event and obviously some more news to come but uh, we talk about what we know to this point and uh, and speculate on what will happen next I I think we did good Jed I think it's a good show oh no doubt it's gonna be a blast can't wait all right so let's jump right into it but first P J no All right, Jed, we've got a few points to discuss today on the show, but there is really only one place to start. It was obviously the marquee event of the weekend, one of the marquee events of the season. And if we did have anything to compete with it, I literally think it rained everywhere else in the country except for Las Vegas, Nevada last weekend. We're talking Spring Fling Million. Yeah, what a great show again, uh, Peter and Kyle and the Spring Fling staff and the, the people at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Um, another great show, perfect weather. I think it got a little chilly, maybe a night or two, but overall just a, a wonderful event. And then, you know, of course, watching uh, Bo Butner get it done, uh, Bo Nose Bracket Racing, Luke. Bo Nose Bracket Racing. Yeah, that's... You have to be kind of old school. To I was about to say that. that that's a little bit of a throwback to people of our generation. <laughs> that, that might have just gone over the head of some of our audience. But yes, absolutely. <laughs> Bo knows. Yeah, good stuff. It was fun to watch. That it was. We we prefaced it a little bit on last week's show. We recorded after what day two of the Spring Fling Million. We were um, impressed 
with the car count and naysayers be damned uh pete and kyle once again packed the place 400 plus uh entries in the surrounding races the million was down just a little bit from the previous year or two but on pace with the early years of the million was what 220 230 entries um given the situation given the conditions given the location uh i was really impressed i felt like the west coast not only did the west coast support the spring fling million um the east coast like it was a little bit i say east coast east of the rockies was maybe in large part a little bit different crowd than what we're accustomed to see making that trip to vegas but i would say car for car it was about the average number of cars from east of the rockies that made the trip once again yeah, I think so, Luca. Uh, you know, earlier podcast we we discussed uh, kind of our guess as to how many East Coasters would go out. I, I think I guessed twenty, um, and I would say that it 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 got past that number. It looked like it was well attended from the East Coast. And I think I heard two thirty one in the million itself, which again is impressive. Uh, folks, naysayers will be quick to compare that with other events or even even other spring playing millions, but. When you consider that Canada has always had a huge impact on the Spring Fling Million, they're not able to come down. Part of the country that it's in, in the West Coast, still a lot of states with restrictions out there. A lot of people that are dealing with challenging work conditions and just general life conditions. So uh, I thought it was a, a really, really strong crowd for those guys. And uh, congrats to, to Peter and Kyle again and the, the Spring Fling staff on being able to get that done in a, a difficult environment. And let's not forget, too, that the the date this year, which was the only date available, obviously, was earlier by, what, three, four weeks? And the, the notice was much shorter. So you're talking for the traveling crowd. It's A, earlier, where people like in this part of the country haven't raced much. And B, uh, you know, the, the race really didn't get finalized, like, hey, this is the date until maybe a month prior. So there was less time to plan. All of that coming into it, I would have assumed would have been a little bit detrimental to crowd, but it certainly didn't show it. The support, the there's obviously, I think Pete and Kyle, what they have built creates tremendous demand. And then I think Forsyth proved this too with the race at Tucson a few weeks prior. Um, there is huge pent up demand on the West Coast. Just so many racers looking for a place to race that when this was green lighted, um, I think many of us, myself included, underestimated the, the turnout, which is great thing not only for Pete and Kyle and for this brand, but for the sport as a whole. Yeah, very well said. And um, again, you know, when you see that kind of participation and when you're watching it online and you're hearing so many states and areas represented, it's just a testament again to how great the event is. I know you and I both missed it this year. and It was hard to watch because I felt like I should be there. And I'm, I'm sure you felt the same way as a, as a racer that's attended it so many times and even won the, the million itself. But um, uh, the the event went, went off, looked like, without a hitch. So congrats again to everybody involved. Luke, there, there was a lot of takeaways from the event, a lot of discussion points. What were some of the major takeaways that, that you'd like to talk about? I think it's got to start with, with Bo Butner and his win. And we'll have Bo on the show a, a little bit later on to talk about it. I think if you zoom out a little bit, Jed, and big picture – um, you know, if you get outside of the, the bracket racing bubble, so to speak, and, and really zoom out big picture on um, this event, I think that it is incredible for our niche within this sport, right? For 
bracket racing in general and specifically for big dollar bracket racing that a quote unquote big name outside of our of our little bubble Bo Butner is obviously a big name outside of our bubble right to, to get this win to win this big prize simply because it generates so much more attention to this event right people that just follow the pros or or um follow drag racing in general at a distance know the name bo butner so when it's hey bo butner wins two hundred fifty thousand dollar first place first place prize that gets clicks that gets attention and that lets people maybe outside of our of our typical listening audience realize what's going on what we're racing for maybe even be introduced to bracket racing in the first place like big picture i think something like this is very very good for our section of this sport yeah i agree i think it uh, brings some awareness to what we do to to the cool things cool events that we get to participate in you know the fact alone that somebody at the the as high profile as Bo and the level of, of drag racing he's competed at to want to attend it and then obviously to to go out and get it done it's just it's an awareness that is difficult to accomplish without something like that happening so i think uh, i think Bo did himself obviously a huge uh, justice and did us a favor as bracket racers for bringing awareness to uh, events that we all know about but I, I think it helped people outside of our circle really get some attention on this the the flip side of that again completely from an outsider perspective but i do think that you could you could at least argue that the outside perception of this is oh bo butner like that dude's a professional right like he's out here just cherry picking on these little guys and winning this big purse right that's what somebody that doesn't know anything about bracket racing may see this and think um, obviously, that's an outsider perspective. We all know how hard it is to do this. Like, Bo's not coming in and cherry picking anything. Like, there, there's none, no one that was in that field that felt like they were at a mismatch necessarily when they raced Bo Butner. It's just, it speaks to, to Bo's talent. And, and obviously, there's some right place, right time involved, as, as he'll mention um, in, in the interview later on. But let's kind of transition into that. Like, how impressive is this? for Bo. I mean, this is a guy that's obviously been in and around racing and sportsman racing for all of his life, right? And, and has been successful on such a variety of levels within the sport. But as it pertains to bracket racing, top ball bracket racing, big dollar bracket racing, like he never really did it until, what, the last nine months? So... Yeah. Success at this level is um, has come very, very quickly, and uh, to that point, like it's incredible. Like the racing accomplishments. I mean, look at what Bo's done to this point. He is obviously a, a two-time NHRA World Champion. The most recent being in Pro Stock, uh, also a 2006 World Champion in Competition Eliminator. He is also a six-time, or I'm sorry. He has won NHRA national events in six different categories. Jed, trivia time. What categories has Bo Butner won NHRA national events in? Well, Luke, I'm obviously going to have to go pro stock and competition eliminator, the aforementioned championships that he won there. Low-hanging fruit, yes. I think it's a fair assumption he won events along the way to those championships. Uh, I think Bo's won in super gas. I think Bo has won in super comp. 
has not won a super comp. Mm. Got the first three, yeah. Okay. Uh, stock, super stock, and wow, I guess he would have had to have won in an alcohol category. So, um, I mean, alcohol <laughs> dragster. Okay, oh, you no, got it was a top. It was a top dragster, top sportsman, wasn't it? Okay, well, you just keep guessing. You're going to run out of classes eventually. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say top fuel, and I'm not going to say nitro funny car. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pro stock, competition eliminator. You said super gas, stock, super stock. He also owns a super street NHRA oh. national event trophy. Yeah. So when you just Same say that, 20, it's 25-plus NHRA national event wins to this point. Uh, the Pro Stock World Championship, the Competition Eliminator World Championship, uh, wins over six different NHRA categories. And now you sprinkle in, oh, by the way, like, yeah, he, he, he also won a bracket race. It just happens to be one of the richest and arguous, arguably the most prestigious bracket race in the world. When you combine all of that, like, I have heard comparisons to Jed Coughlin Jr., like, particularly when you bring in the, the Pro Stock comp, like that's kind of the natural line to draw, right? Um, that's that's on the high side of this. I I think it's amazing the variance in perception that I've seen, that I've read on social media about this win and about Bo Butner. Because I have heard everything from comps to Jeg Coughlin, which, let's be honest, that's rare air, right? I mean, Jeg, top five, top ten at worst pure driver ever to take the wheel. Some would argue the best, right? Top three. Um, so I don't know if I'm ready to put both there, but the 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 variety of accomplishments uh, mirrors it. Uh, and then I've heard the other end of the spectrum, which I think is rooted a lot, Jed, to be honest, in, in, in envy and jealousy. It's like, eh, you know, comes in, buys the best of equipment. Like, I could win what Bo or what Jeg win if I had the best of everything. Well, my counterpoint to that would be like, yes, okay, Bo has the best stuff out there. I, I don't question that at all. My counterpoint would be um, just in my own personal race career, like it didn't start this way, but I would say for the last decade, Jen, I feel like I've had the best stuff at the racetrack. It's not easy. Like that doesn't mean that you just go win bracket races. <laughs> Anybody that's done this, this stuff's hard, right? So give some credit where credit is due there, right? Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, Luke, I would think anyone listening to this podcast understands the difficulty of what Bo accomplished. But just in case they're they're going the other way with the thought that that he possibly bought his way into this win, um, you know, just stop. Don't even think like that because that's it's not possible. I mean, really, Luke. Today, most racers call the the manufacturer, parts distributor, and say. You know, I noticed uh, so-and-so was really making some good horsepower, running dead on, whatever, and uh, whatever carburetor he or she has, that's what I want. And they'll box it up and ship it to you. Now, there might be a tweak or two on some of that stuff that you got to do, but for the most part, everybody's got good equipment, really good equipment, and everybody's capable of running whatever's on the dial board or, or on the window. So uh, Bo uh, obviously accomplished something that that people dream about and that tends to stir people up a little bit because everyone won't have an opportunity to do that but uh it's an absolute guarantee that he earned it and he got out there and competed just like everybody else fair and square with 
good equipment like everybody else had and just accomplished something really, really cool and deserves all the credit in the world for it. You bring up a good point, Jed, and I think you could look at this in one of two ways. I do think that Bo's win does illustrate the idea that in this day and age with the industry coming, the industry surrounding sportsman racing coming as far as it has in recent decades and technology coming as far as it has in recent decades, there was a time that to win, uh, let's not say events like this because events like this are relatively recent in the, in the, in the life cycle of, of bracket racing, but there was a time where to win the biggest bracket races you had to have a ton of empirical data, right? You had to know your combination. You had to tweak your combination. You had to figure out what it wanted and how it reacted to certain situations. Like, the, in short, there was a, a a long, many, many years, typically, of of doing it, of experience in that specific element to have success. In this day and age, all of that technology is readily available, like over the counter, right? We can store by combinations that are unbelievable in terms of consistency, repeatability, and predictability. And what that does is raise the level of parity significantly to where someone, and I I don't draw the parallel here to, to Bo Butner because he's got ridiculous amounts of race experience, even if it's not necessarily in big dollar bracket racing. But I think that you could make the argument in this day and age, you could take a a racer of whatever age and say, okay, like you're just going to hit the tree and make good runs and this thing's going to win and you can make as good runs as anybody. And you can like that or don't. Like racers of our generation, Jed, tend to not like that because we've got the experience, we've got the decades of empirical data. But at the same time, you could argue that that's good for the sport because while the the cost of competition is certainly higher than it's ever been, if you can afford to compete, you can be almost immediately competitive. And when you combine that with a driver, not only with the skill set of Bo Butner, but I think particularly in this situation, more applicably, the experience of Bo Butner, because... Let's face it, uh, forget the money end of it, like the prestige of winning the Spring Fling Million. Bo even says it in the interview, like it's a big deal. But I guarantee you that he was not nervous coming into that final. Like he's been through the wars on so many levels that there's just a, a comfort and knowing that, hey, look, I'm going to go make the best run that I'm capable of. So you combine that with the best equipment and the parity in the field, like uh, it, it's no surprise that Bo comes out on top. Yeah, obviously been on some really big stages, Luke, and I, you know, I guess that prepares you for just about whatever. But you know, as, as we'll hear Bo talk about when we put put the interview in, you know, he he just was hey, he's having fun, man. The guy's really enjoying himself and and having a good time out here. And when you can get yourself in that frame of mind and that mindset and mentality, then good things tend to happen to you. And you know, Luke, you, you talked about the equipment and and how everybody has the opportunity to be competitive you know torque converters and carburetors all that stuff that had so much variable in it the it's it's easy to look sit back as a regular racer and be pissed off about the 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 handful of racers for each manufacturer is getting free parts free carburetors free torque converters whatever those people are doing us a favor because they take you know how many times has luke bogacki been to the track and put three or four converters in 
on a, a Tuesday afternoon, rented the facility and went and tested and figured out what the car likes and what makes good power and good consistency and just works end to end. You know, those those are the things that people are doing for the, the opportunity to represent manufacturers and it's making us all better. So, you know, I, I know I went down a rabbit trail right there, but you know, if, if you're upset with the Bow Butners of the world for coming in with some good funding and good equipment and, and coming out on top fairly early in, in this, this whole thing, this whole racing thing that they're doing, uh, you know, and then you're probably the same person that's mad about the guy that may get some free tires or a free torque converter those people are doing you a favor. So, you know, it's making all of us have the opportunity to unbox something that goes right in the car and is very, very competitive. No, that's a really, really good point. I want to circle back, Jed, just on the, on the perception of of Bo, because I do think it's comical. Um, The, the two, the two, the two comps that I have heard on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum, right? They both, quite honestly, make me laugh because I think they're both rooted in hyperbole. Is as I mentioned the the comparison to Jed Coughlin Jr. on the on the high side, and then the other one, like I say, the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I shouldn't say complete opposite end of the spectrum, but the other comp I've heard, and I'm dating myself a little bit in this as well, Jed, because you got to go back a number of years. Uh, you'll be familiar with this name, but uh, the name George Tomasi Sr., who won, I believe it was yeah. the second ever. Um, original million at Huntsville Dragway and I think at that point Tomasi's claim to fame at the first couple of millions he entered like 10 drivers in the million right it looked at it as an investment and it was uh, racers like himself his son Scotty Richardson Jeff Strickland you know I mean he was he was definitely in with the 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 right crowd and then as it ends up he wins the race himself and I don't think that was I don't think it's fair to say that's the only race George Massey senior ever won uh, he had some success on the NHRA level but it was never like he would never be the guy that was expected to win that race so the comp that I've heard to Bo is like here's another guy that comes in with all the money buys the best of equipment and has you know kind of hits this one-off home run and again I laugh at both of those right like let's take Jag for example and you could again draw the parallels because of the pro stock career the success and just about anything that they get behind the wheel of but if you just look at the the depth of success I mean, if we're just going to focus on pro stock, Bo's got a world championship. Well, Jeg's got five. Now, he did it longer, right? Jeg's won a, a, an NHRA world championship in Supergas. And you could say, okay, Bo's won one in comp. But I think for what we do, we typically would respect the Supergas win a little bit more, right? And just overall, like, they're both awesome. Jeg's done more of it. Bo won the, the biggest race in bracket racing. And Jeg's never won one that big, right? But Jeg's won a gajillion bracket races right like i just i don't think that that's a fair comp for either of them at the same time i do not think it's fair at all to compare bo butner's career to say a george tomasi senior like what bo's done is really really impressive so i think it's fine to say like that falls somewhere in the middle i would say closer to jeg but i'm not ready to put him on the on the jeg plane necessarily when you just look at career accomplishments and not that uh, I don't think that you have to necessarily stack things up, but I just, I laugh, I chuckle every time that I hear what I think are, are kind of uh, maybe lazy, like easy to draw comparisons like that, that are pretty far-fetched. Yeah, well said. Um, again, you know, you can see a lot of similarities in those uh, those drag racing career paths between he and a jag. And, you know, you even got, obviously, Dave didn't win the the 
the amount of pro stock races and yep. things that Bo did, but Dave Connolly, that those skills just seem to transfer between those two classes. You know, I truly believe Eric Anders could come out and do what we do with a few laps and be very competitive. So for some reason, those two categories, the skills seem to translate very well, but uh, overall job well done by Bo. We're going to hear more about that experience and that event and, and all the things that happened to him on that day, that special day in uh, Las Vegas coming up here in just a little bit. Luke, let's talk about some of the other big names. Uh, you know, we, we picked racers that we thought would win and there were some familiar names late in the rounds uh, among some of the, the picks that we had, but there were some heavy, heavy hitters in this thing late that had an opportunity to, to get that win that Bo got. Yeah, I mean, we've spent, what, half an hour here talking about Bo Butner. We haven't even mentioned the name, Chris Whitfield. Uh, Whitfield drives to the Million Dollar Race final. He's a guy that when we try to say, like, you know, who can who from the quote-unquote West Coast, which I don't, I don't know my West Coast geography. Denver's not on the West Coast. But we think of Chris as a, as a left coast guy. Uh, who on the West Coast can is capable of winning a race like this? And, and the name Chris Whitfield always comes up. Um, he put on a show. Uh, getting to the final ends up coming up just short to Bo Butner. Uh, we also had Val Torres Jr. in late, just continuing uh, what has been an incredible start to 2021 and, and just adding on to an amazing career. And no, this is not a broken record, Jed, but coming through the, the pro side of the ladder in the biggest race of the year to this point, um, a guy by the name of Nick Hastings. Have we heard that before? It seems like at every million, at every major event, it's Hastings down to six after Hastings wins pro. Hastings knocks off a top bulber or two. He hasn't won one yet. Uh, it's, it's seemingly inevitable. Uh, I really actually thought at six, uh, as crazy it is as it is to think, I thought Nick Hastings was the favorite to win the race, and he was off the bottom. Yeah, Nick, very impressive once again, Luke. As, and before I get to him, Chris Whitfield, again, I think you have sang the praises of Chris Whitfield as much or more than anyone. You you know how talented Chris is and just, man, really got his head on straight and just seems to process things very well and strategize well. And uh, Obviously, runner-up in the million was uh, not what he wanted, but I, I saw his post on Facebook, so humble, so grateful, just really cool to see Chris reach that uh, final round on that stage very deserving guy and fun to watch him win Val Jr. just continues whether it's his car's throttle stopping or going wide open uh, he's just getting it done right now turning on tons of wind lights but back to Nick Nick was doubled in the Pro 48 and obviously at, at 231 cars or whatever they had they, they didn't have 48 bottom bulbers so he was having to put himself on the front and then run back get the car and get the last pair down in pro uh difficult challenge because you don't get to position yourself you just pull up in the lanes early have to sit there probably just to make sure you're the first one in line and all the the challenge that goes along with that and then to go out and win the pro side um in the million itself and continue to advance down to six and lost by a thou to to bow and We'll hear Bo talk about that run as well and how much respect he's got for Nick. But really cool to see him continue to do what he does. Just so aggressive and, you know, laying down double O's after double O's. And when he misses it, he's 20. 
which is anybody that foot breaks on a regular basis, that is not an exaggeration. I am, I am a hundred percent confident in that when, when Nick misses it, he is, he lands somewhere in the twenties. He hits it teen to double O absolutely on a regular basis, which is incredible uh, to watch what he does. And, you know, I, I was, I wasn't pulling against anyone, but I was certainly pulling for Nick to continue on that path and get another wind light or two. And I hate that it didn't work out for him, but I would say uh, financially he uh, left there very happy. Just the depth of the quality of runs that Hastings makes day in and day out, round over round, it's nothing short of incredible. Like to your point, the, the 20 is the outlier. Um, I won't claim there was a time that I really felt like I could hit the bottom. Well, those days are, are, are gone, but when I'm 20 off the bottom, like I get the ticket and I, I'm pretty happy with that. Like, <laughs> I think Hastings wants to throw that ticket out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Not happy. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really, really incredible to watch as was, this is also a, a recurring theme, but I just, every time that I watch these events, Jed, I'm just more and more blown away by the pro field. Like, I guess this should, at this point, I should come to expect this. Like, I was just jaw dropped at, at Memphis last year at the Guaranteed Million. This was more of the same. I mean, round after round of just nasty runs off the bottom. I mean, and specifically in the million, when we get down to five cars on the pro side of eliminations in the million, um, there were five fairly recognizable names, Jed. Uh, we had Justin Lamb, Kevin Pollard, Randy Biddle, Nick Hastings, and uh, yeah, Nick Hastings. That's a pretty formidable five. Yeah, and four of those, obviously, from out here in our area, Luke, that we see on a regular basis uh, from, from over on the east side of the country. And then arguably uh, one of the best to ever hit the bottom, whether it's in HRA racing or coming to a bracket race and Justin Lamb, what else can you say about Justin and, and all the great things he's accomplished? So that, uh, that field alone was, or that, that five remaining field was as intimidating as it gets. And then you, you move to the Biddle Hastings match up there at three, Luke, that was what a lap. That was, there was a few instances, and I, I won't take anything away from what Nate and Brian Lones did behind the mic, because I enjoyed it. I, it was, we've talked before, I'm not a huge fan of just tuning into live feed and watching. I watched all of that on, uh, on Friday night, and those guys did a great job. But that was one run in particular where I was really missing Jed, because they just kind of, kind of, kind of brazed over the fact that Randy Biddle was four take four off the bottom in the semis, the round before the split of the million four take four off the bottom and not only did his win light come on he didn't even lose a double breakout jed <laughs> yeah his his opponent didn't go under he did obviously but his opponent did not go under <laughs> that's hard to do uh, stay on the right side of that when you're when your opponent is four take four it was an incredible lap and i certainly would have uh, enjoyed being on the mic for that one and would have got uh, would have got sure enough stupid talking about how incredible it was so i missed uh, being on the microphone just because i enjoy that atmosphere and that event so much but i certainly missed it when those bottom bulbers started getting down in the late rounds and doing things like randy biddle jr and nick hastings did yeah it was absolutely incredible and the bottom bulbers showed out throughout the weekend we talked about it on last week's show uh, on on day one andy small 
wins the bottom bulb side, goes on to win the main event. Uh, day two, I believe it was Nikki Thomas getting through the bottom bulb side. I believe she got to three in the main event. Uh, Hastings loses at six in the million. Uh, both he and, and Bo down some mile an hour. The wind light goes a thousandth Bo's way. I think the way that it shook out, the winner of that round buys to the final. Uh, so Hastings was obviously very, very close. And then the last day, after finishing runner-up in the pro side of the ladder in the million uh, to Nick Hastings, Justin Lamb goes one round further, wins the pro side, and then breaks rear end gear um, when they got combined the next round. So the pro racers not only putting on a show in and amongst themselves, but uh, also obviously uh, a huge threat to go on and advance once the fields got combined. Jed, you you mentioned a little bit earlier, we did, we made picks prior to the Spring Fling Million, and I even texted you at one point, we were going into, I don't know, it had to have been like sixth round, 12 cars left. Yeah. I, I was feeling like we were Nostradamus, man, like we our, our picks were doing good, right? Yeah, yeah I had peeps, you had AJ, both in at 12, both making sick runs, and I'll be honest, like, I don't want to take away anything from uh, the racers that advanced. But if you took the 12 racers that were in at 12 and said, hey, let's lay odds. Obviously, Hastings is at or near the top. But I think the next four to five all lost at 12 and all lost back to back to back, including our two guys, Jed. Yeah, that was a that was tough blow there at 12. Um, our our picks exited the program, AJ and Peeps. And uh, then, you you know, you talk about late rounders, uh, normal traditional late rounders whatever you want to call them sugar i thought sugar was on path to to go to another final i mean he, he was knocking down wind lights left and right and had two cars in there for a little while and hunter Patton, of course you you come to expect big things out of hunter but uh i was i was pulling from my man aj you know i, I thought aj was a solid pick for me and then he started clicking off those wind lights and he gets hard to handle there but I think one total it. at one point, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one total. And I think just missed it a little there at 12. And just that's a time where you just can't miss, unfortunately, for him. Yeah, no. AJ runs into Whitfield that round. Whitfield's nine total. And then I believe, I don't remember the order, but it was Shane, Hunter, and Peeps back to back to back, red light, red light, red light. And you just thought, what, what just happened? <laughs> like, one of those guys is supposed to win this race, right? But I'd say that was still pretty solid on our part to to have those guys in that. Like, it's not like we picked a bunch of busters to to get that far. You know, we picked some all star racers, but uh, it's still a challenging thing to do. And uh, I thought pretty good on our part to to pick those racers to be in, and they they were in that late. I'll praise you if you'll praise me. Great pick with AJ. <laughs> yeah, nice work, Luke. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, I, I don't know how much how cl- how dialed in you stayed to this throughout the week. I know that uh, this is a, a fling thing uh, specific to Bristol and Galat. I don't believe that they select an MVP at Vegas. If you had to take a week-long MVP, uh, who gets a nod for you? Oh, Luke, I was not dialed in enough to to know that or to to figure that. I did, you know, I had JJ. JJ was watching really close, and he was updating me when certain racers did certain things. So I did tend to hear a lot about the people we know and know well and i heard a lot about the pro guys and what they were doing run after run so you know hastings was somebody i heard a lot about even when i wasn't getting to watch him um and i think nick had a a really good weekend so for me somebody like that 
uh, out of the pro field just that's you know again uh, out there with a you know your field your pro field was just so talented and there was nowhere to hide in those staging lanes loop so uh, I, I tend to give those guys as I always do a little more respect so i'm gonna go with nick hastings hard to argue with that my heart wanted to give the mvp of the of the weekend to randy lynship uh bo's other bo's better half uh, randy lynn runner up in the thursday event no the wednesday event i believe and then was deep uh in the following 30 grander was deep in the million uh i'm not even sure that she raced the saturday following the million i don't blame her um she put on a show, but if, if I had to go like most impressive performance, I think I'd have to go with uh, Dylan Howe. And Dylan, a uh, young man out of, I don't know, somewhere on the West Coast, like Northwest, I think, uh, got Justin Lamb's old dragster. And he was, I believe, runner up the day that Dustin Henkes won, but he was down deep every day. Uh, I believe he lost the round before the split in the million. And when he lost, it was to Shane Carr. He was a thou red dead zero. And that was not abnormal for the types of runs that he was laying down. I didn't see every time that Dylan staged, but every time that I did, he was double O and dead on. Like repeatedly, day over day, really, really impressive performance. Was deep every day. And then, I, like I say, the, the, the box score, at least from what I could see, was you did not want to line up beside that kid. No, not if he was laying down runs like that. I was not able to, to keep up with it close enough to know exactly what Dylan was accomplishing, but it sounded like he were making he was making really good runs and would be deserving of that. And as you mentioned, Randy Land, just, uh, it was really cool to see her out there uh, competing, going fast in the dragster and getting those wind lights. Uh, I think, uh, as again, as we'll hear from Bo, they're just they're having a blast and enjoying themselves out here, and, and it shows, and you know, her going to a 30K final to set them up for success for the weekend, laying down the, the early final round was obviously momentum for their team. So uh, Randy Lynn might can take just a little bit of credit there for what Bo accomplished because she got them started really well. Definitely takes some of the pressure off when the tab's covered on day one. It can't hurt. <laughs> Never had that happen to me, but I... I, I <laughs> I think it's good. <laughs> Other winners from the weekend. I, I think we went through them, but uh, just in case we did not, in addition to Bo Butner's million-dollar race win, the other big winners, uh, Corey Galletti wins the dragster race on day one. Andy Schmall wins the first 30-grander. Dustin Henkes gets the second. And then uh, Kyle Rizzoli, another West Coast hitter, closes out the weekend with the final $30,000 win. I think we touched on ev anything that is everything. We've gas-bagged enough about the Spring Fling Million. It's probably time to get Bo on. Before we do, did you have anything that we didn't touch on, Jed? No, we touched on everything. Uh, you, you wrapped it up there with Rizzoli. Again, that's probably someone that could have been an MVP candidate as well, because Kyle got that last 30K win, and he was cracking them on the, on the pro side, too. So, uh, job well done by Riz. Uh, really happy to see him do as well as he did and uh other than that luke um i thought that uh brian Lones and nate did a wonderful job on the mic uh, those two were really good together the coverage was good from bang shift looked like a really fun time i hate i missed it but uh certainly uh, happy to see how well it went for everybody involved out there and uh, looking forward to seeing peter and kyle make their way to the east coast here really soon for the the uh, Goliath event all right, let's get it straight from uh, from Bo. You want to talk to Bo? Would love to. Let's talk to Bo. All right, so we have spent the better part of this episode discussing 
the spring fling million. Now we get to hear it from the horse's mouth. Joining us now, two-time former NHRA world champion and the most recent winner of the spring fling million, Bob Utner. Bob, great to have you hey, on the Luke. show. Hey, Luke. What's going on, buddy? Man, hi. Thanks for coming on, Bo. How are, how are you? I think that's probably a, a rhetorical question at this point. Yeah, no, it's uh, I'm I'm still on on cloud nine from that from that deal out in Vegas, but I mean, you you know as well as I do, you win anything at that level. It's just uh, I don't know. We're blessed. We're we're all we're all blessed in the racing world. I can tell you that. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, and your team, Bo, also performed well. Uh, you know, when you wasn't turning on wind lights. Randy Landillon, they were doing a phenomenal job as well. So you had to be proud of the entire effort. Yeah, we, we uh, kind of made this decision probably last year. To, I've never really I did a lot with the bracket world. I mean, shoot, probably hadn't let go of the top for 15 years. And then I uh, got to go to a couple of them. We bought a dragster. And, of, of course, we got, the, we got the super gas car from Aaron and uh, had some success with it. But – uh, it's, it's a different atmosphere. We, we enjoy it. We love the people. Uh, everybody's equal. That makes sense. And, uh, yeah, uh, but we, we've all seemed to adapt to it and, uh, Randy's tough in herself. I mean, I thought she was going to turn the first one light on that first night. So it was that, that makes the weekend good, which I'm sure you both know we can get to a final round first night. No, yeah, no doubt that that sets you up obviously for the weekend, and and you guys just continue to impress from there. So, congratulations not only to you but to your teammates as well. That was uh, that was fun to watch. Well, thank you, Bo. Obviously, you're no stranger to to drag racing in general. Sportsman drag racing uh, goes back a long way in your route. But as you as you mentioned, uh, the big dollar bracket stuff is is fairly new to you. Tell me first just a little bit about the car that you drove to victory at the million, uh, how long you guys have had it and a little bit about that combination. I, I, uh, actually, uh, we bought the car from Will. Uh, of course y'all might know that Hunter Patton has moved in my house and I've adopted this kid. So, uh, he, he lives here full time now. So I'm not saying we're forced into the bracket world, but, uh, my first race with this, I bought a roller car. It's like a 19 Miller. Hasn't had very many runs on it. I uh, had Joey from APD do me a, has a 648 motor in it. Originally thought about just doing super comp with it after having some success in super gas, but uh, went to a kill care up here in Ohio and uh, went to a bracket race and we kind of met Hunter. And then uh, I'm not sure he's ever left, but it's, uh, it's <laughs> he's a good kid. He's a hard worker and a hell of a racer. So uh, yeah, the, the, the car is awesome. I mean, you know how it is you're always wanting a newer dragster and something that plays this greatest and uh dragsters are hard to get right now and it's it seems like uh everybody's wanting to i've got a lot of phone calls to buy that car this week that makes sense so uh, but it's just too hard it doesn't make sense to move or change but i mean a bruzy does our trannies and converters which which hunter got i used a1 some so uh it's just really a good package but it's like that with any class i mean just going and making a lot of runs we made a lot of runs we went to every bracket race we could all through the winter and just got to know the cars, uh, have trust in them. And the main thing is you go out and have fun and don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. Sure. I mean, great equipment and it sounds like you're uh, compiling a fair amount of data, but this has all happened in a pretty short span of time. I mean, how, how many big dollar bracket races have you entered to this point roughly? 
Well, we, we went to the, the guaranteed million last year. Right. I went, went to the OG million. Uh, that was, pr- that was pretty much it. That's the only ones I've ever entered. And, and don't get me wrong. When I see some of those tabs, I'm like, Holy cow. I mean, uh, if you, you double everything with three cars or three people, you're getting up into pro stock land. So, uh, <laughs> but, but you can win way more than pro stock. So it's, it really justifies itself. But again, it's about, uh, we're not in it to, to make a living. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to, to get a little return, but we do enjoy the people and, uh, just a different atmosphere. Well, you've, you've won a lot in your racing career at, at the highest level. How does it compare to win something that you know is so special to so many people that actually get to participate? Obviously, winning pro stocks a dream for most. Most will never get to do it. So that's huge in itself. But winning something that so many people have an opportunity to win, how does that compare? Or can you even put that into words? It's tough. Uh, I hear it more from the Randall inside because she explains how big it was for us to win uh, in Pomona in 17, having to win the last round, the last race, uh, was very big. After this was over, she looks at me while we're in that limo ride and she goes, I think this is bigger. It's, it's just a different feeling. So many people, anybody has a chance to win the race that enters, uh, has nothing to do with performance. You know, I mean, uh, you have to have good stuff. Don't get me wrong, but anybody that, that, that buys an entry has that chance to buy that, to win that race. So, and it, it is big. And, and uh, Peeps Pennington told Hunter, he goes, I think he asked, he said, do they even understand what's happened? I mean, for them to win the big one and then for her to get to a final in the same weekend is kind of unheard of. So uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's great. We it just, our team is great. Uh, but again, we have a good time and it's, it's still hard to believe. Uh, I'm pretty much, I don't know what else I need to do. I like to win the U S nationals in a, in a class and then I could probably call it a career. Take us through the the race a little bit, Bo, in and of itself. Like the the question that I our listeners will know. This is kind of the way that I frame this to everybody that we've had on after a big race. But it's it's one of my favorite questions. So everyone says like, hey, you got to have that one lucky round, right? Which I agree with. At some point right. in nine or ten rounds, you've got to kind of get away with a, a less than stellar run at the right time. At the same time, I've always said like, yeah, you need that. You need to get away with one. But usually to pull off the end result, you also have to have a round where you kind of stand on your head, like your opponent makes a better than average run, a run that maybe we wouldn't normally beat. And it just right. so lines up that that's the round that we make a stellar run as well. Do either of those resonate for you in the million? And if so, what round stands out? Absolutely. And, and definitely, the, I mean, all of them are tough, don't get me wrong, but the round against Nick Hastings, because I follow Nick and uh, watched him do very well with that car and... Uh, it, it, he's amazing on how he can, he can let go of foot braking and, uh, he knows his car probably as well as anybody in the world, but that round right there uh, was very, very tight and very close. Could, could go either way. I don't believe I'm that good to take a foul every time. I think it just worked out, worked out on my end, but, uh, yeah, that, that was probably the round that, uh, and being 003 against him, uh, sometimes you can go up here and be 005, 003 and think, Hey, I got the buy one was down to three and you miss it, which makes you sick. But, uh, yeah, that, that felt good. Knowing you could, you could just stage up and, and take the bye run to the final is a big relief. You, uh, yeah, you, you obviously got by some tough competitors. Do you look across, Bo? I know you followed bracket racing scene a little bit. Do you ever look across and, and think, you know, this is cool getting to race so-and-so? You know, I know everybody feels that way about getting to race you 
the Nick Hastings of the world, do you feel like it was pretty neat getting to compete with those guys? Or did you did you race anybody that was kind of on your list or somebody you really wanted to compete against? Well, it's, it's absolutely that way. It's uh, it's kind of like I'm in their world, if that makes sense. Uh, it would be different, but, uh, yeah, I mean, when, when you race any of the Williams, I mean, there, there's so many named people, the Pennington's, any of those people like that. Peeps went red to me, which which – that was around that was going to, to race Nick, but, uh, just, yeah, all these people you read about, I haven't got to race Hunter yet in, in a heads up deal or, or in, at a race. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that, but, uh, the, the people I don't know are the ones that worry me the most. I mean, they have, uh, the, your local guys. I see a lot of local people win at least one or go deep in one of these, one of these three or four day events. It seems like everywhere we go, that happens. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an honor to race these guys. And honestly, they're the best of the best out there. Given the nature of your career, Bo, and all of the incredible things that you've done behind the wheel of any variety of race cars, and you'd mentioned even you know some of the the pressure-packed moments that you've been in, like you took it back to to seventeen in Pomona in the Pro Stock car, I've got to think that while you'd never been in the spot necessarily that you were in Friday night, that all of those years of experience, particularly in those pressure-packed situations probably had you more prepared for the late rounds in the million than anyone am i correct in thinking that that's got to play a role and like the confidence has to be there that no matter what the situation i can perform yeah i think it it kind of kind of relates to uh, like i watched the way luke races i mean you just you just stay stay the same all day long and uh make make the make a good run try to do the best you can make them beat you and it's, it's pretty uh i'm not saying it's simple but you're going to do the best you can do at that round if they beat you, great. But I didn't have any pressure because, again, this is a time in life that we're enjoying and we're having fun. Uh, if the wind light comes on, great. If not, I was happy for for Chris to do it. Or, but uh, it's just it's a total different feeling. And I have always kind of been that way. Hey, I made it to the final. It's great. I mean, even in, in my 17 championship in pro stock, I think I beat Greg in the semis. And I was just so happy that, hey, I'm number two in the world. I didn't know really know that if I won the race, I can still win the world. So uh, just just to be happy with what you got and be content helps a lot. So it sounds like the the mindset in general is, uh, I guess, a little bit of gratitude and just the idea that, hey, this is awesome, right? Win, lose, or draw? Absolutely. Yeah, just, yeah. just to be a part of it and to go that far in something that big is, is, sure. is amazing. But we don't – we definitely don't want to get into the numbers or how any of that played out. But when the, when the discussion started – happening around the money that was left in the in the pot did that play out anything like you thought it would what was that experience like coming from a world where those discussions don't happen yeah i uh well luckily randy lynn wasn't i mean she went deep that 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 race too but i mean she's happy to split for everybody to split the second round i mean she's just happy for everybody to get something (laughs) but uh yeah that's a different feeling and i just want to be more than fair Again, I, I don't do this for a living. It's fun. It don't get me wrong. It helps recoup some of some of the investment, but uh, whatever. I'd have raced him for a thousand dollars. I mean, but we end up staging for around twenty thousand, which that's a big payday. So we we were we were happy with that. And but of course, you you want to win. You want the trophy. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what we're there for. Still, it's still the same as an NHRA race when it comes to that. And then after that. You, you've won the spring fling million, whether it be in the shutdown or, or coming up the return road or after 
the the celebration and winter circle what what was it like i mean what was that that was it relief was it what what was just explain it if you can uh when i when i get down there and of course i mean my car was a little faster so i thought i thought i hit the tree decent and i thought i was gonna get the strike I felt pretty safe with not having to kill much. So when my, my wind light comes on, yeah, you, you still get a lot of fist pumps, but I'll do that at a local Ohio Valley $1,500 night when it comes to the final. <laughs> so just, just just to turn wind lights on, and yes, it's at the top of level you could possibly be at at the fling, but uh, the the people waiting for you and the high fives, and it seems like every racer is still there high five and you know, want, want to be in, but what's really good is every race of there pops in your winter circle picture. Well, we don't get that as much in the pros. You know what I mean? It's kind of, yeah. uh, some of your teammates might, but you're not going to get, uh, the other teams to jump in and they will congratulate you if they like you, but it's, it's just a different atmosphere, different world. I'm very grateful. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but to everybody's happy if that makes sense. Sure. The uh, it's funny, but we talked about this a little bit earlier on the show. I I don't know that I've ever just be, being dialed into the bracket community. I don't know that I've ever seen like the variety in perception as it pertains to your success. Because I have heard everything from man, like that's uh, the, the the comp is is pretty obvious, right? To compare your accomplishments to Jegs at this point, right? Like, I mean, the pro stock parallel, seemingly success in whatever you get in, right? And to, to rank you among, you know, the greatest that have ever done it. And then I also hear the, you know, the, the haters, so to speak, is like, ah, you know, like he's, he's, he's done this for a dozen times or something. And, and, you know, you got the best of equipment and da, 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 like, let's see him do it again. I, I'm just, I don't, I get the impression that you don't hear any of that, but like, do you ever stop to think of your, um, I don't know, like uh, reputation in general and like where this stacks up? Cause this is a, I mean, the biggest win that you could have in a whole new format, a whole new type of racing. Right. Right. I, and I understand I me, mean, you have, you have haters in every, in every area. I mean, uh, when I would win pro stock races, well, he bought his way in or did this and that, but it's anybody that's actually involved in it. I can tell you that pretty much everybody at that level, even at any level of NHRA, have enough money to do what they're doing. Uh, it also goes as far as to say is there's no, I mean, there's not a lot of junk at these bracket races either. I mean, these guys invest maybe sometimes more than what the NHRA side does. So uh, everybody to me has pretty good equipment. They at least they know their cars and uh, they, they still have that chance to win. Yeah, I, I can tell you I was probably lucky a few rounds. But uh, Dave Connie and I, we spoke today because I get to go to the SFG and he gets to go two days because he has to go out and work for KB in Vegas and miss the big days. So uh, I just tell him, I said, dude, you just, you just have to be good when you need to be good, if that makes sense. And we can't control that. But uh, it's, I don't know, there's, there's haters and there's lovers and everything. I like to think we, uh, we try to give our full heart to drag racing in general. Uh, I've had some uh, good success with the NHRA side of that. Now, I hope it carries over to this and maybe we'll, we'll probably get into some of the promoting stuff we're going to do with some some other races. But I uh, it's 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 just a fun, fun family. Uh, I don't I don't know, but you cannot buy your way. You know, you know, you can't buy your win. Not, not in this stuff. Yeah, no, that was a, that would be my pushback. I feel like I've had the, the best equipment you can have in bracket racing for a decade and that don't make it easy. 
Right. And, uh, and I was still still two ends of that racetrack that that's hard to negotiate at times. But so well, well, I want... well and, and one one problem we had, I did see one one uh, one statement or one statement was made to me about, well, hey, he's a professional, he's going to ruin bracket racing, like he's going to come in there and like Schumacher. I mean, and I can tell you right now, I can probably count on one hand of of pro racers I know of that are capable of even doing a burnout one of our cars. You know what I mean? Because it's just not their world. So I would be very surprised that if if 10 guys showed up from the pro level, that, that they would – and that don't say they can't win, but I'm just telling you it's just a different world from both sides. I would actually argue the flip side of that, Bo. I think from a big-picture perspective, and we talked about this earlier on the show as well, uh, someone of your fame and notoriety coming into this world and winning a race like this big picture, I think is great for the bracket racing level of sport because we just get eyeballs and more attention on it than we ever would have. If, uh, someone from within the bracket racing community wins that it just brings more attention to it. And I think that's good for everybody. Yeah, it, I think so. Cause I've had a lot of, a lot of help from a lot of sponsors. I mean, same of our same sponsors, Luke, like Mickey Thompson, but I mean, they're like the first before you get off the track that text you, I'm sure you get it. But Summit Racing, I think Summit Racing might be tired of other areas of racing, but they were really pumped up for something like this that I'm not saying they don't watch it. Uh, Jake and I are good friends. Jake's always going to support sportsman racers because that's what, at the end of the day, that's all we are, sportsman racers. And uh, I think uh, I think it will bring some eyeballs to it. And I would love to see it get bigger and grow because there's a big opportunity now for something to happen in racing. Yeah, Bo. It's been a pretty incredible, I guess, three-week stretch for you. You've just come off of the promotion side of things with the stock, Super Stock Showdown at South Georgia, and then you go win the Spring Playing Million in Vegas. Um, from the promotion end, was that anything like you envisioned? Uh, can, you, can you explain basically what that experience was like for you down there? Well, it's, it's, it's something that uh, Jason, Dave, and I discussed probably the whole last part of the year, of last year, probably the whole year last year. And I like to see good things happen uh, to, I call the old school guys. Stock and super stock guys to me are old school guys that have traveled, put up with a lot of stuff. Uh, and we all know that, that maybe they're not treated fairly, uh, any sportsman guys at times, but we also don't know the whole side of the NHRA side either. They're on a tight schedule. It's all about TV. I completely understand it. But we needed something uh, to show these guys. And, and Jason came up with, we want to go somewhere where we're celebrated and not tolerated. And that's like the best line I've heard. And I've heard it repeated to me a hundred times. But uh, I wanted to do something strong for the stock superstar guys. Uh, had no clue how many cars would show up. Luckily, I had a, had a good guy by the name of Jason Johnson, John, Johnson's Horsepower Garage. Uh, he's a big car collector and loves racing. Uh, his, he and his uh, father actually started Copart. That's all over the country, all over the world. So he's became a good friend and loves it. And he jumps in with two feet and helps us. So we were set to be able to pay the guys what we wanted to pay them. And it didn't, I didn't care if it was four cars, or it was 400. So that deal worked, worked out good. It's a lot of work. I know you do a foot brake race. Uh, it's, it's a whole different side. <laughs> uh, you want things to go smooth. Of course, they don't always. But uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, Jeff Miles and, and Ozzy owns South Georgia, of course. But Jeff Miles did a heck of a job uh, helping us, teaching us something that none of us really knew. Dave, Dave understands a little bit how to, to run a race because of being around the, the million. But uh, 
Jason and I didn't do nothing but really go out and shake hands and make sure everybody was happy. And that was my goal. My goal was for everybody to leave and ask, when's your next one? And tell me they had a good time and they felt like they was treated fairly. So uh, I've already had phone calls to do two more. I believe we're going to put it off this year and, and maybe do a bigger one next year. I don't want to flood it, but uh, Luke, Luke will probably tell you, but there's there's a big call for this for like eight ninety nine ninety deal too. And I think you could do something the same way that we did that. Treat the people right. Let people go home with something and, sh- and show them that uh, we're happy to have them. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, you know, my cousin Ricky performed well down there and uh, Bones and Edmund Ellison, some of the guys that, that did well. And I've heard nothing but wonderful things. You guys did a, a great job. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard to make the majority of them happy, much less the, the huge majority. And it looks like you guys accomplished that. So a job well done by you, Jason and Dave, and I'm sure your support team, which was huge. Yeah. And of course, Rainy Lynn, when I, when we start talking about this, she tells me, you know, uh, I, I want no part of this. You've got me doing too much anyway. And then of course, within about a month, she takes it completely over. So she, she busted her butt doing a party. Uh, everything was, was great. And uh, again, I just, you surround yourself with good people and it's, it's pretty simple. No, pretty, uh, pretty impressive foray into that world as well, though. Just like, uh, just like Jed said, I have heard zero negative feedback from that race. It seems like you guys knocked it out of the park. What's, what's next for you, whether it's on the, the racing front, the promotion front, like what, uh, what will the next, I don't know, month, 12 I, months, however far you want to go, what does it bring? I believe we're, we're going to try to hit about every uh, large bracket race we can that, that, that the schedule will let us. Uh, I don't see myself actually even going to a single NHR event this year. And that That's on a whole different story. I mean, I, uh, I, I love the NHRA and I support it. I have forever, but uh, just, just the way that it's ran. I, when you get away from anything being ran by a racer or anybody that has been a racer, uh, that that's the problem. And that's what we want to look at to doing some more of these super stocks or maybe super gas type races. Uh, It should be ran by racers and you should listen to your racers. So anybody that shows up should be part of it, in my opinion. And I do believe that's the way NHRA started. It's just, it's just sad that they've kind of got away to that. And I understand it's business, but I, uh, I I believe you'll see us in a number amount of bracket races and, uh, that, that, that's probably about it. I mean, I have, have no desire to go to an NHRA event today. Well, you know, and I can understand that, uh, not not because of, uh, you know, they're, you're turned off or whatever, but you've done plenty of that. And now you're getting to experience another side of things. And we're certainly as as bracket racers or, or you know, on behalf of bracket racers, certainly excited to see you and Randy Lynn and anybody else that, that, that shows up on your team, whether it's Dylan, Hunter, whomever, you know, we're, we're glad to have you guys at the bracket races. And uh, with the earlier discussion about somebody saying that, you're you're going to ruin it or racers like you would ruin it i think it again it's just the opposite as luke said it it brings awareness and attention when a a high profile racer does well like that so um it was really cool to watch you win and certainly uh, now we've got two uh million winners on this podcast tonight and producer mark nor i or either of them so so uh, well luke Luke knows what it feels like if, if if you keep watching uh drew skillman's i'm on i'm i'm hard hard on trying to find him a dragster he's coming uh billy torrance calls me him and mama k have been kind of watching randy lynn and i and he's like you know 
this could be my last year maybe of doing this NHRA pro stuff and we want to go out and enjoy and have fun and do some bragger races. So I do see the swing, if that makes sense. Uh, uh, we're, we're going out, we're showing that you do have fun. We're capable of winning and, and it's, it's just a whole different world. And uh, I'm not saying that you have to sell it, but it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's not, it's not that hard to, to swap over. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you and bring some more with you, my friend. Right. Absolutely. Bowman, congratulations uh, on, on obviously Vegas, but uh, on everything that you've, uh, you've accomplished here over the last decade plus. Uh, always fun to, uh, to watch you and Randy Lynn go rounds, and uh, it was awesome watching you do the deed in Vegas, my friend. Well, thank you very much. Maybe, or Luke, are you going to come out of retirement and race maybe, or what's your plan? You'll see me every now and then. Once, <laughs> uh, once school's out, we'll be on the road again. Okay, cool. That's right. That's right. You get to play the parent. I understand. So, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on and, and, uh, yeah, I hope to see y'all both. I'm sure I will. Yeah, I'm definitely both. Jed and I are going to play over in the door car side. We'll stay away from you till the final. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. I'm not, I have no problem with that. <laughs> we appreciate you coming on, giving us some time, Bo. Congrats, man. Enjoy it. And good luck on your next outing. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And, and, and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. Um, That's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTERacing.com. Com. All right, Jed, while we were all focused, rightfully so, on the Spring Fling Million, uh, while there wasn't much other racing to speak of last weekend, uh, big news broke in the sport and specifically in the world of big dollar bracket racing. The annual um, Great American Dream Team Challenge and the Great American Guaranteed Million were set for back-to-back weekends in Memphis in late May. We learned over the, since the last time that we recorded that not only will those two events not happen on back-to-back weekends in late May, neither of those events will happen in Memphis. The Dream Team event moves to Holly Springs Motorsports on that same original date, May 21st through the 23rd. The Great American Guaranteed Million to be determined at this point. Jed, I don't necessarily know all of the details. I've heard bits and pieces. I've talked with Britt briefly. 
in your mind, what you can gather, what precipitated the move, the abrupt move away from Memphis International Raceway? Well, Luke, I don't think I'm at liberty to discuss maybe everything I know, but it's simplified by saying that there was some change in leadership at Memphis and it's delayed their ability to start having races. Uh, they just were not prepared to to start having events on time, you know, which is going to be right about this time of year. Uh, obviously, as we're recording, this is April 1st. So next month would have been when those events were to, were scheduled back to back. The The changes in leadership and the challenges there and the race facility getting off to a slow start just caused the guys to, to have a little bit of hesitation about being able to give the racers everything that they have come to expect from the great American team and certainly from the facility itself. So it was just a wise move for them to hold up, just step back a little bit and say, let's make a couple of changes here on the schedule and, and make sure that the racers get everything that they're paying for and more like you always do from the great American crew. Yeah, my take on this is that success in basically any endeavor is less about the nuts and bolts and more about the people and specifically the relationships. And when you're talking about putting together an event of this magnitude and all of the moving parts that go along with it, when you remove those existing relationships and you have to start cold turkey, what, six weeks prior to the event, that's a tough pill to swallow. And again, I won't claim to know all of the details of this story, but similar to what you said, Jed, my sense here is that Britt Cummings and Gendlin Rollison simply didn't feel comfortable that they could hold the best event of the season at that facility on that date. And when you realize that, particularly when it's less than two months away, the decision to pull the plug has got to be insanely difficult. But I would say that if that's the way that they felt, and I think it's fairly obvious that it is, that as difficult as that decision is and was, that it's an honorable one at this point. Like, pull the plug, let's start fresh, let's make sure that when we do have this event, it's everything that it can be and more. Yeah, uh, geographically, Luke, very well said, by the way, geographically for the the, uh, Dream Team event, it's the same weekend. It's going to be held at Holly Springs Motorsports, which is an hour south of Memphis. So for someone's drive time and, and what they've got invested in the trip, it's not going to change that very much. Some it'll help, some it will it will hurt. But for the most part, it's the general area. Uh, so that's not going to be a big deal. Holly Springs is a, a wonderful facility, a great working racetrack, all asphalt parking, some uh, electrical spots, really good view of what's going on on the racetrack from the surrounding area and the pit. So just a, a really nice place to be able to move the event to with a, a staff, Jabbo and his team, going to be very eager to, again, show the world uh, what they're capable of doing from a host facility standpoint, uh, good food and a concession stand. So no worries. If you haven't been to Holly Springs, put it back on your list if anything changed and you took it off of your schedule put it back on you're going to love going to holly springs motorsports and participating in the dream team challenge 
agree with that. As it pertains to the the Great American Guaranteed Million, where does it go from here? Uh, I'm I'm curious. It's 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 difficult to schedule. It's difficult to put an event of that magnitude together. Period. I, I would have to assume it's considerably more difficult to kind of do it on the fly mid season when uh, track schedules are by and large set. Um, so it's interesting to think about where and when they go from here. Um, my my uh, feel for that event last year was that the biggest supporting areas, the biggest supporting regions, and obviously that a guaranteed million dollar race, like there was racers there from all parts of the country, right? And, and perhaps beyond. I don't, again, the Canada travel ban really kept anyone from coming from the north. It, it may have been limited to the United States, but uh, several states within the union represented at Memphis a year ago. But again, my perception is that their their biggest market came from the states of Tennessee, Texas, and Georgia. So I would assume that wherever this event is moving to, that you're going to want to stay central to that, right? And if so, I mean, you sit down and think about it. Like we want to, we want to service that demographic, that that geographic area, right? When you really sit down and think about it, there's a pretty short list of facilities in play. You know that that fit that mold geographically, that have the uh, facilities, the parking, the um, everything in place to host an event of this magnitude, right? So I'm not going to speculate on the certain facilities, but it doesn't take a lot of creativity to say like, okay, that's the market. And you can probably narrow this down to five, maybe three tracks that are, are genuinely in play. And I would be personally shocked if we didn't wake up at some point in the next month and learn to learn that one of those facilities will be hosting the 2021 version of the Great American Million, assuming, of course, that we can they can jump through all of the logistical hurdles that will go on to putting a race like that together in, in fairly short order. Yeah, good points, Luke. Uh, you know, those those states obviously being some of your heavier supporters, you want to try to make sure you don't alienate them and give them give those state racers the best opportunity but you know really i guess first uh, order of business is to make sure you go to a quality facility uh, regardless of exactly where that fits in the geographics for those three areas and and all the other great states that supported it so it's a challenge those guys definitely have a challenge on their hand that you got to think about a, a facilities let's just say in the general southeastern part of the country uh, mid-south to southeast that are capable of holding 450 uh, cars there won't be 450 rigs but there won't be many less than that so um, you know they they had a tendency to to fill up memphis uh, i don't know if you if that's really possible to fill it up but if you get a little rain you, you have to avoid some areas so place was full last year as you know um, so you got to go somewhere that can hold all that there's not many opportunities or not many options, so that's going to be interesting to see where they uh, where they land with the Great American uh, Guaranteed Million. But uh, I I am rest assured that uh, it's going to be a quality place with good management and a, a facility capable of giving the racers a great experience. 
I look forward to hearing the news. Uh, the, I think actually the the where is probably a little bit easier to identify. You know, again, I, at least getting down to a handful of facilities that would presumably be in play. I think that's much easier to identify than the when. At this point, I, I know that the goal is to do this at some point in 2021. I assume that that will happen. And at this point, uh, basically the only thing that I think we can rest assured of is that I can't imagine this coming together in time to be Memorial Day weekend. Like it's going to be some sometime at some point later in the season, right? Yeah, I think that's a very solid uh, solid bet. And you know, again, trying to find a place on the schedule that fits. We had a lot crammed in last fall, back to back to back millions. Uh, so those guys definitely want to try to avoid that if possible. So finding a good spot on the schedule that that doesn't have a ton on it is going to be challenging as well. So just kind of let them sit back, do their thing. They're working on it, I'm sure, daily, trying to find the facility and when to have it. And I look forward to hearing the great choices they make really, really soon. All right, Jed, I have been waiting on this for the last, I don't know, hour and 20 minutes. All this racing stuff's Mm -hmm. cool. I am ready to talk Gonzaga. I'm ready to talk UCLA. I'm ready to talk the strip teaser, the loose caboose, King Kong, and the alcoholic. Are you ready, Big Jed? Uh, Luke, the way we're going to start this discussion, it doesn't sound fun at all, but, you know, I'm part of the show, so I'm in if you are. Back to the bracket. Chalmers for the tie. Big Jed, we're down to the final four. In, I mean, we're down to the final four in the NCAA tournament, but that is not what is important for the context of this show. We're down to the final four in our bracket for the greatest race car names of all time. There have been some upsets, Big Jed. Yeah. Much to your chagrin, Butterbean goes down. If we've learned anything over the course of the last week, in regards to college basketball and our bracket, it's to not mess with the loose caboose. Do not doubt the caboose, Big Jed. Well, I talk bad about Oregon State, and I talk bad about UCLA, and both of them taught me a lesson. Uh, Pac-12 was a lot better than I expected and anticipated. So, uh, yeah, the, the Bruins took out my tide, uh, the loose caboose. Took the butter bean down. We, we made an unbelievable shot to go into overtime. And then we let them score basically 25% of their points in a five-minute period. I mean, just run away from us. Destroyed well, us. I saw the stat. I think UCLA scored 27 points in the second half, which is 20 minutes long. And then like 25 points in the overtime, which is five minutes long. It was 25 and 23. 25 in the second half, 23 in overtime. Yikes. Uh, we uh, we could not hit a free throw. Uh, Gary could Gary Bogacki could hit 11 of 25, Luke. Um, I'd give him that. Warm, without warming up. Uh, <laughs> my tide hit 11 of 25. Uh, cost him opportunity to go to the Final Four. So congrats to the, to the Bruins fans, loose caboose fans. Uh, took my tide out, just wore us out. Big Jed. I would say that our two biggest rooting interests got upended since the last time that we talked. We talked uh, your Crimson Tide, which were representing the Butterbean, uh, the Loyola of Chicago Ramblers, upset by Oregon State, as you alluded to. So that means that the the meat wagon is down. 
Again, if we learned anything, how great is it that we've got the loose caboose attached to UCLA? I mean, think about the parallels. UCLA is still up on its hill, right? You can never, you could never say that the UCLA Bruins are a Cinderella story, right? I mean, at one point they won 10 consecutive NCAA championships, kind of like the way that we look at John LaBoose Sr. in yesteryear, right? Yeah, no doubt. And at the same time, the, the name is there, the prestige is there, and they can still play. Big John can still race, right? Like it's, I think the parallels are awesome. And to see UCLA run through it, representing the loose caboose, thought pretty cool. Loose caboose to the final four, uh, upset wins over not only the Butterbean representing Alabama, but also King Kong representing the number one seeded Michigan Wolverines. Now, I don't want to be too premature because I felt like we were dismissive of UCLA and the loose caboose on the last episode. But if they advance again, we've got a big story. Uh, UCLA plays Gonzaga in the Final Four. Gonzaga representing, of course, <clears throat> the strip teaser. Who else, right? <laughs> it's our yeah. show, the number one seed, without question, the strip teaser. Uh, Gonzaga looks like a monster. So uh, we're going to pencil in the strip teaser to the national title game, but again, don't bet against the loose caboose. Uh, on the other side of the bracket, it's an all-Texas matchup. Baylor representing the Saturday Night Hooker, the number two overall seed in the bracket, taking on the Houston Cougars, which will represent broke and still spending. If we lost you, go back and listen to last episode. We basically attached 16 of our favorite race car names to the 16 remaining teams in the Sweet 16. Jed, any... Any thoughts on the Final Four as it approaches this weekend? Luke, uh, as, as much as I would like to see UCLA continue down this just uh, crazy path they're on, uh, coming from a play-in game to now a Final Four, by the way, I don't think that's ever happened. I don't think a play-in team has ever ever gone to the Final Four. So VCU. VCU did it okay. They so did. Shaka. Has been done. Uh, but for Bruins fans, enjoy the ride uh, it's been fun, but I'm here to tell you, it's over. It's over. Uh, I just told Luke and Mark prior to the show, Chicago Bulls couldn't beat Gonzaga. Um, they're that good. Uh, the team just got everything you could possibly need to be great. Good defense, great pace, great shooters. Got a big or two that likes to get in there and bang and make things happen with some ugly hook shots and funny looking weird loop shots but uh, they make them go down so very well coached obviously Gonzaga will advance uh excuse me the loose caboose will advance to no, the, the loose caboose will go down I meant the loose caboose will go down I, I apologize strip teaser Pacific Northwest car will advance over the loose caboose and uh as far as the other side who really cares um oh they've got to, they've got to play Gonzaga so, you know, Baylor <laughs> and Houston are just playing for the opportunity to get second. So there you have it, Luke. Would it shock anyone if the strip teaser came out atop the bracket? The answer is no. A resounding. <laughs> no. No. Um, no. It's over. It's over, he says. I, as, a, as a college basketball fan and, and as, a, uh, as a, uh, a follower of this bracket, there is, there is no better outcome to this tournament and or this bracket than to have a strip teaser versus Saturday Night Hooker final matchup. 
That's what we're all hoping for at this point, right? <laughs> the, the, the potential for drama in so many different ways is there if we get that matchup on Monday night. I'm with you. I think, uh, I think the strip teaser and the Zags are the odds-on favorite, but I would like to see that game. If there's one team that could give them a run, it is the Baylor slash Saturday Night Hooker entry. Luke, the only thing more fitting would be the strip teaser <laughs> facing broken steel spending. I mean, you know, you, you understand. I mean, the, <laughs> the parallels there are good. I think you say that. The parallels there are very good. Yeah, strip teaser, broke, and still spending. So, again, <laughs> the Saturday Night at Hooker will take on broke and still spending. I think that's the late game Saturday night. That might be the early game Saturday. I need to look at that. And then we've one got. Do what? It's one of them. It's the late it's one of them. That, we'll narrow it down. <laughs> and then we've got the upset minded. Dare I say Cinderella story, loose caboose, UCLA Bruins taking on the mammoth, the overwhelming favorite, the strip teaser. Stay tuned. We'll follow up in a week or so to put the crown on the best. Hands down. This is this is this is so much better than debating this, right? This is unequivocal. Like we are going to determine the best race car name of all time. Can't wait. Stay tuned for that. All right, Luke. Well, what a great show, great discussion, uh, Bo Butner and all the racing discussion and uh, the final four that we discussed, really good time. But that wraps us up, my friend. Another episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is coming to a close. And certainly I uh, want to thank the great sponsors that bring the show to everyone. We ask that you use them as often as you can possibly use their products and services. So make sure you reach out to them and um, you know, certainly want to hear from you as well. Uh, the listener want to hear what we did right, what we did wrong, what you liked, what you didn't like. Reach out to us. Just let us know you're listening. We just need to hear that you're out there, folks. Get with us at the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. You can send us a message where producer Mark will respond to you as soon as time permits. Or you can put it right out there on the, the news feed on the front line for everybody to see what you got to say. But just let us know you're listening. Tell us what you're thinking about the show. Luke, uh, surely out of all of this great content, there is a shout or two that you have built up. Well, you mentioned supporters of the show, Big Jed. So I want to briefly give a shout out not only to uh, the, the fine uh, manufacturers, companies that have brought you this episode, uh, but also the, uh, the interest in the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast from manscaped we joked about this jed and i'm i'm convinced that one of our listeners has put us up to this someone has reached out to manscape on our behalf we've been getting emails i know we've had this discussion internally do not be surprised oh you faithful listener to hear the golden tones of jared peddington reciting a manscaped ad read in the very near future I think it's going to happen. I can't wait, Luke. I'm so excited about the Manscaped read. And, you know, uh, when you when you need to uh, clean up the drive shaft in the planetaries, there's only one company that does that better than everybody. And I'm so excited to bring them on board, which we'll talk about really soon. Shouts to Manscaped. Um, shouts as well to Nut Dust. By the way, we have not heard from Nut Dust. So whoever... <laughs> <You're with us. laughs> 
whoever whoever is putting this together on our behalf like i mean reach out if you're going to do it go all the way shouts to manscape shouts to uh, to not uh, shouts to the loose caboose shouts to mick cronin and the ucla bruins shouts to hep cronin heck if we're going to go father and son big jed shouts to scott drew shouts to homer drew shouts to bo butner randy lynn ship bob utner the entire team there and a couple of, of names that have been eliminated that we didn't get to mention on this week's podcast, but I would be remiss if I did not shout out. Shouts to my kids' tuition. Shouts to the quarter pounder with ease. Shouts to stick it. You may be gone from the 2021 version of our bracket. Gone, but not forgotten. <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. Very well done, my friend. All right, guys, again, that wraps us up. If you uh, if you like to do the Twitter thing, and Luke and I love it, so reach out to us, uh, tweet us, get with us, let us know what's up. And uh, if you want to comment on the new uh, Manscaped partnership that we've, Manscaped partnership that we've got, uh, tag Manscaped in it. Let them know that you're listening and you appreciate the great folks at Manscaped being willing to get involved with the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. It's in the works. It's coming down the pipe. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. Get with us right there on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Folks, thanks for listening. What a great show. We can't wait to come back real soon and talk to you about more Sportsman Drag Racing. Stay steady, I flip the rig, grab another ride, come back and win like I'm Corey Galetti. Rihanna split, better have my money. What I gotta do to prove I've been running. Show up with a double to the Derby City. Stack, shove it, next to a big check, that's time for a half a milli. Like Mad Diddy, no messing with me, I win a ship. Show out by a case of pushing and hire Dilly. If you know, then you know, it's those long nights. Early mornings, I'm rolling down these old back roads. Working all week, trying to turn this blood sweat. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>